the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed in the program are not necessarily those of this radio station or its sponsors and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. You should always consult the appropriate advisor before making any financial decision. All rights reserved. Now, new focus on wealth with certified financial planner, Chad Burton. Drawing from his 28-year background in finance and investing to help you make sense of your money matters. New focus on wealth. Get a new focus on personal finance, wealth management, Wall Street, and the economy. Now your host for New Focus on Wealth, Chad Burton. Welcome into the show. I'm your host, Chad Burton, Certified Financial Planner. If you have a money question for the show today, just shoot me an email. It's chad at chadburton.com. It's chad at chadburton.com. Well, welcome to Correction Day. And I say that because we typically have a few of these each year and, and a correction can in basic terms be if you look at a chart of the stock market and at a peak, we're down 10% from a recent peak. Now, as I've mentioned before, most of the indexes are still negative since January of 2022. January 2022, rates started going up. We started to see especially tech stocks fall really hard on the idea of higher rates. And then the AI between companies doing better than expected or not as bad as expected. <laughs> and then the AI revolution kicking in tech stocks rallied way back, but still again, QQQ, even though it's up and the QQQ is an ETF that represents the NASDAQ. It's how you actually invest in the NASDAQ that you hear about on the news every day. QQQ is a symbol there. Uh, that is up 33.87% for the year but it's still down from its highs. Um, right now we're down about 7% um, from its most recent high about a month ago. Now, when I say correction day, some of the other asset classes, such as the, when I look at the S&P 500 in an equal weighted fashion that I talk about all the time, because the S&P 500 this is the 30th year that I've been in the business and the S&P 500 and the NASDAQ are more similar than ever before. The S&P 500 is a index of the 500 largest companies in America. And a lot of them now have to happen to be tech stocks because that's where all the revenue growth has been going. Um, Apple, Microsoft, companies like that, uh, very tech heavy. And the, the, S, the, the NASDAQ has always been tech heavy, right? Especially back in the nineties. Um, but if we take out, you know, about eight stocks out of the S&P 500, um, you're going to see a negative return. If we look at the S&P 500 equal weight index, where you have truly, if you have $500, I keep saying this every week, but I want to remind you, if you have $500, you had really $1 into each company in the S&P 500. That's almost down 10% in the last month. So that's more of the overall stock market, right? How it's really doing. If you look at small caps, uh, we're looking at, uh, small caps down 12% in the last month and mid caps down 11, almost 11% in the last month. So going back to, okay, where are we for the year? 
NASDAQ up 33.87%, S&P 500 still up 11.47%. The S&P 500 equal weight is now slightly negative on the year, down 0.66%. Mid-caps, if we look at the S&P mid-cap 400 MDY ETF is up 1%, while the S&P 600 small cap ETF is down 2.2%. International developed, despite recession issues and and uh, you know inflation issues in Europe, the UK, we're looking at positive returns of 4%. So having that international exposure has actually helped this year. The iShares MSCI Emerging Market ETF, EEM, is down almost 1% for the year. And bonds, U.S. aggregate bond ETF, AGG, interest rates have continued to go up. So even though you're getting an income from that ETF that's pretty decent, the price has dropped enough to offset that. So its total return is down 2.5% for the year. It is looking like we're going to have a second negative year in a row in bonds. Now, what would counteract that? is, well, government mayhem, right? You got a situation here where McCarthy was ousted as Speaker of the House, first time since 1910. Last minute dealings and everything else kind of ticked everybody off to try to get this, you know, avoid any kind of a a government shutdown. And now there's lack of leadership there. So we're going to be hearing the term shutdown for, oh gosh, quite a while through November here at least. So that something like that could actually have the Federal Reserve start to pause and the economy is already showing signs of slowing. And if interest rates go the other direction, start to go down, the bond values will go up. But if we sat really this year, we're kind of looking at a, we look at all stocks together, large cap, small cap, mid cap. We're looking at a flat market for the year, Um, a diversified portfolio of S&P 500 plus small cap, mid cap, and some international, you know, if you could look at us large, small, and mid together, where you got a kind of a mix of the S&P 500 plus these other indexes, you could look at something like VTI. That's uh, an ETF from Vanguard. That's the total stock market index. So that's still up about 10.6% for the year. Cause you got a, you got some of that tech large cap in there, but everything else, so tech large cap is yep, you know, up 30% or so, but everything else is flat, somewhat negative. So that kind of blends it in together. Or if you look at something like BND, which is Vanguard's total bond market index, that's down 2.37% for the year. And if you look at a balanced approach, like a 60-40 US stock, 40% US bond, VBIAX is a Vanguard balanced fund I sometimes refer to on the show. It's, it's up 5.26% for the year. So the average general balanced portfolio is up somewhere probably around then after this recent pullback that we've seen in the last 30 days. So still, you know, overall likely a positive year in a portfolio, but it's kind of a mixed bag. It's kind of all over the place. Um, and especially when you look in the world of small cap and mid cap, in terms of finding valuations, uh, it's kind of where I'm going to talk about that in a little bit, where active management could really pay off here. But again, it, you know, if we get a continued pullback because of what's going on with the Speaker of the House and some and you know higher rates affecting the overall economy and slowing things down, which is what the Fed is trying to do, create a soft landing, avoid a major recession, but create a soft landing and a slow patch. You could have another year where stocks and bonds are down together. And so those of you that have been listening for a long time, 
been doing radio since 1999. I've always preached. So I got into this when I was in college, um, majoring in engineering and math. I love spreadsheets and everything else. It just made sense to me looking at the market returns and, hey, the stock market typically averages 11% over 50 year plus periods. It's positive 70 to 76% of the time, depending on which rolling period you look at. It takes really good care of you over time. But since I was dealing with retired folks right in the beginning of my career, it was obviously that I got to make sure that when stocks and bonds are down, I have cash to live off of. Because typically when there's a decline, it takes anywhere from you know, six months to three years for the market to recover. And then it's off to the races. I mean, look at, I haven't looked at the chart lately, but I think since October, 2007, prior to the great recession, you know, if you would have invested in October of 2007, you're still up during the break. Maybe I'll pull up a chart. I think it's like 600%. So you would have gone through October, 2007, a huge market decline, and then just rallied for years. And so the stock market takes really good care of you over time, but you've got to have that safe money going into retirement. If you're five years away from retirement or in retirement, it's a perfect example of why you want to make sure you calculate your safe money. And again, what is the safe money? You make sure you know all of your expenses. It's part of the retirement readiness test. You make sure you know all of your expenses, including the taxes that you're going to pay as you draw out from your retirement accounts. Minus your social security, minus any pension that you might have, minus any stable rental income that you might have, anything that automatically comes in to your household. The rest that's left over, you know you're either drawing that out of your portfolio every year or you're going to draw it from your safe money that you have set aside. Most of the time you're drawing it from your portfolio since the stock market is positive 70% of the, 70% or more of the time. But in those rough years, you got to have that cash. That is such an important tar- part of retirement planning to get through the rough markets. Say hello to a pass that gives you endless travel for $2,500 per month with no nightly rates, taxes, or fees. You might call it the suitcase is always packed pass or the wait. I get to choose from 100,000 trips pass. The will it be the beach, city, mountains, or all three pass. Or you could just call it what we call it, the Inspirato Pass. Endless travel for $2,500 per month with no nightly rates, taxes, or fees. Learn more at inspiratopass.com. If you have a money question for the show, just shoot me an email at chad at chadburton.com. While you're there, chadburton.com, you can sign up for the event October 28th in Foster City. Rob Black and I are going to be together. I'm going to be talking about the seven key tests that you need to put your portfolio through, put your life through before you say, yeah, I am ready to retire. So seven key tests, things like cash flow and expenses, which accounts to draw from the amount of safe money that you need to have, kind of an overall life plan. We talk about it all. And so check that event out, October 28th, Foster City area. Just go to chadburton.com. Kind of scroll down in the middle of the page. All right, during a pullback, like I said, I like to kind of remind people that pullbacks are normal and healthy because we, we've had a little bit of a stealth pullback here where... <clears throat> In the last month or so, you know, NASDAQ is down seven, SP 500 is down about seven and a half. Um, the equal weight SP 500 down almost 10%. Small caps and mid caps down over 10%. Emerging markets down over 10%. The bond markets down about 4% in the last month. Now, in the stock market, corrections are healthy. You typically have three, five to 7% corrections per year. Um, since 1928, 95% of the years have had a 5% correction or worse. 63% of the years have had a 10% correction or worse. 26% of the years have had a 20% correction or worse. 
10% of the years, a 30% or worse. We went through those, you know, recent ones with COVID and everything else. It was beyond that 30%. So it's, it's part of investing. And the worst thing you can do is either buy on greed towards the top when everybody else is doing it. Like I was mentioning in 2020, all the even kids were trading stocks on their Robinhood accounts that their parents set up for them in my daughter's high school. Um, you know, everybody thought they were genius investors again, and it was a lot of meme stocks. Now, if we look at the stock market, you know, over the last 50 years, you're talking about 11% average returns, positive, like 74 to 76% of the time. And even if you would have looked at one of the worst times to invest in history, which was October of 2007, prior to the Great Recession, where the market was down almost 50% by March of 09. If you would have invested in stocks in October of 2007, you'd still be up about 273% in the S&P 500 today. That's That would be your total return from that day to today. The total return in the U.S. bond market would have been about 46.6%. So still great returns, arguably one of the scariest times to invest. If you kind of look and say, okay, what happens when it's about the scariest time to invest ever? And that would have been about, you know, mid-March. It's called March 12th of 2009. That's when the market bottomed. I remember doing a client webinar in March of 2009 where I was showing that, okay, here's what has happened to corporate revenues, but here's where their stock prices have gone. Do not sell. Do not panic. This has gone too far. It happened to be the bottom of the market. And many clients still remember that call. But if you take advantage and you say, okay, it's scary. I'm going to buy when the market dips, like during COVID. Um, like, you know, after elections, you tend to have a good stock market correction. But March of 2009 to today, if you would have started piling in and in March of 09, the S&P 500 is up 640%. So the stock market will take care of you over time. But as you go into retirement, you need that balanced portfolio and you need that three years worth of portfolio draws in cash, not three years worth of expenses. That's way too much. But three years worth of your portfolio draws in cash. And that number will change because you might retire early, you know, and then you're going to have a certain amount of safe money that you need until social security kicks in. And then eventually your required minimum distributions are going to kick in for most people. That's age 73. It'll eventually turn to age 75. And then you'll need a certain amount of safe money in your IRA to make up for how much you're, you know, living off of your IRA. So what are the options for safe money? Online FDIC insured bank accounts. We have a couple that we invite clients to, that are 5% and with a huge amount of FDIC insurance. But if you're out there doing it on your own, some of the popular ones are Marcus, Capital One 360, Ally. You know, I've got a 5% cash account at a local credit union, um, at a local bank as well. So a lot of times if you tell them, hey, I'm going to move my money unless you give me a higher rate, they'll give you a higher rate. They will walk into the bank and ask. When it comes to a bank, you got to be careful of FDIC insurance. So we've done a whole show on that. You can search for that in the podcast and on your on your iPhone if you want to. Just go to chadbert.com and find it. Um, got kind of distracted of what I wanted to, to actually hit on here, though. So during a pullback, I like to keep an eye on what has pulled back the most, right? So there's a couple of ways to do that. You can look at asset classes. Asset classes are you know large cap, small cap, mid cap, international emerging markets, and different types of bonds. So with bonds, you have government bonds, you have corporate bonds, you have treasury inflation protected bonds, 
you have uh, you know international emerging market bonds. The other way to do it is also sectors, right? When you're looking at this, the equity side of your portfolio, you can say, okay, what sectors have pulled back the most? Now, why is this important? Well, tech stocks are a perfect example. Tech stocks got too expensive by the end of 2019. And any threat of interest rates caused a huge decline in tech stocks. And whenever you have you know above 20% plus corrections, typically that creates a buying opportunity. And it was a buying opportunity because now even the stock market is still, the NASDAQ is still negative from January. If you would have bought tech at the beginning of this year, you'd be way up. So tech is a sector, you know, utilities are a sector, communication services, um, consumer discretionary, well, you know, there's, there's basically 11 sectors, of the S and P 500 real estate investment trust is one of them, a very small portion of the S and P 500, but that's another one to keep an eye on because everybody knows how bad the news is in office real estate. There's a whole bunch of different ones out there. And I'm seeing some real estate investment trusts that only have like 18% exposure in office that are trading down 25% since January, 2022. And so some buying opportunities, I think coming down in that area. So again, um, I already mentioned some of the returns like, you know, S and P 500 is down 7% since in the last month, but small and mid caps down 10 to 12% and still underperformed large cap quite a bit over the last several years. And I think that's an area where active small cap management is going to pay off or where rather than just owning an index, having an actively managed small cap fund, especially you, you typically want these in your retirement accounts, like your 401k and Roths, because a lot of times they create turnover. So if you own an actively managed small cap fund in your taxable account, you can end up paying capital gains, even though you're not pulling money out. That's important to know that it's a good move in the, in the uh, retirement account. Now, is it time to pile all into small caps yet? No, not when the economy, when, when rates are going up. Um, and, but it's something to keep an eye on. If you're really, really light on small cap and we're going through a bit of a pullback, it's time to say, Hey, maybe I will start adding to that in my 401k. But why does active management pay off in this space? You know, remember when you're looking at ETFs and index funds versus actively managed returns are always net of fees. So actively managed, you're going to be, you know, 1% higher in fees, but the returns can pay off. And you got to look at the Russell 2000. I think something like 30% of the stocks in the Russell 2000 may not be profitable. And so you want quality going through a tougher time in the market. And you want a manager to be able to say, oh, here's, here's a, here's a small cap stock that fell too much just because the overall market is falling. And I'm going to get them on the cheap. Hi, this is Chad Burton. If you have questions about retirement and investing, it's time to get some answers. My website, chadburton.com, has a ton of resources. There are downloads to help you determine how long your money will last in retirement, links to our webinars, and several videos discussing everything from retirement planning to tax-efficient investing, estate planning, insurance, and even saving for your kid's college. While you're there, also check out our tax planning and estate planning services and our video explaining our online wealth management tool. You can find links to the podcast at chadburton.com and please like my Facebook page, New Focus on Wealth with Chad Burton. This invaluable resource is able to show the values and allocations of all your accounts regardless of where they're held. Information is updated each day at the end of market close and these new numbers are fed into the financial projections we've created for our clients with the goal of constant financial clarity. You can find links to the podcast at chadburton.com and please like my Facebook page, New Focus on Wealth with Chad Burton. All right, let's, let's, let's check in a little bit more on the markets today. 
Um, just part of it is checking in overall. We just finished the third quarter and four days into the fourth quarter of the year and the final quarter of the year. I can't believe this year's gone so fast. Um, let's look at interest rates. That's the pin, the biggest topic of the year, right? Causing potentially another negative bond market two years in a row, potentially still got another quarter for interest rates to drop and create positive returns. So let's look at the inverted yield curve, the twos versus tens. And we say that it's, Two-year U.S. Treasury bonds versus 10-year U.S. Treasury bonds. Um, two years paying 5.12% when I woke up this morning, so it might have changed a little bit since I started doing the show. Um, the 10-year is at 4.81%. So the yield curve is still slightly inverted because 10 years are paying 4.81. Two years are paying 5.12. means you're paying you're being paid more for shorter-term bonds. Now, last show, I went over... What is the risk of just going all short term? And it's called interest rate reinvestment risk. And if you would have done that and you only invested in short term bonds with your bond portfolio in 2006, you would have regretted not buying some longer maturity bonds because the two years started to plummet. Um, if we look at what's happened to the two years since the low in mid 2020, it was around 0.2%. Now it's 5.12%. That is aggressive move in bonds. And, um, you know, that's, that's from the Federal Reserve. That's caused the 10 year to go up, but not quite as much. The 10 year is more directly tied towards things like mortgages and other things like that. So, um, you know, that's, that was from about 0.6 to 4.81% over about the same time period. Another aggressive move. So big jump in interest rates to slow the overall economy down and to slow inflation down that really our government created. And I can flat out tell you that I will not vote for Trump and I will not vote for Biden. And neither one of them deserve the vote. There's too much divisiveness with Trump, too much stuff going on in the background. And I don't think Biden's fit to run. So that's my opinion. I'm not sure who I'm going to vote for yet. But you have two people that caused this inflation that we're dealing with. You got to remember that as part of the coronavirus aid, the, um, the CARES Act, which was signed by Donald Trump on March 27th, 2020, the PPP loans were given out and neither president did anything to really kind of figure out where that money went and who really should have deserved it. By the end of it, it's really kind of things like restaurants and daycares and things like that that really got shut down where a lot of businesses were still able to operate and operate remotely and realize that, hey, employees can work from home more and we can be more it just as uh, productive. And so you had all of this money going out into the economy. And basically, I mean, that that's the, that's what causes inflation is printing all that money, essentially, and putting it out there in the economy. And then the Fed had to turn around and slow it down. And so I can give you countless stories of companies that got PPP loans and ERC credits and things like that just because they could, and everybody else is doing it. <laughs> and so that money caused, I mean, look at, look at the car market, the used car market, RVs, boats, ATVs, like it's stuff that prices just went through the roof. Car prices are still ridiculously high coming down a little bit for the used car market, but it just caused a massive amount of inflation. Um, you know, and Biden turned around and tried to blame it all on Putin and, and, you know, him pulling out of, uh, oil agreements and things like that. And, and at the same time, we, 
we're in energy independent for a while, even though we all know we need to get off of it. It's better for the environment. It's just, it's just been a mess the last couple of years. And the divisiveness that showed up in Congress yesterday with whether or not he deserved it, it just shows how dysfunctional our government is. We have so many issues out there, such as social security, right? A lot of people think, Oh, I better take social security now. Cause it's, it's, it's bankrupt. It's not bankrupt. The numbers show that social security is starting. It's going to probably start to take in less in income. Now, how does social security get income? Y'all look at your paychecks. Those of you that are working, you see the FICA tax. When you're self-employed, you pay both halves. When you're working for somebody, you're paying half. The employer pays half. That's FICA tax. That goes into the social security system. And the idea is, hey, they're going to invest it. It'll grow and they'll give it back to you later in retirement. Well, okay. The issue is, is that does it grow a little bit? Yeah, maybe. And when they give it back to you in retirement, it's also they're they're also going to tax you on it, even though you already paid taxes on it. So it's it's a it's a bit of a joke. But in 2032, it's not bankrupt. The issue is it's going to start taking in less money than it's paying out because we have the more people returning 65 in the next 15 years than the cumulative history of our country. Isn't that crazy? In fact, this year, more Americans will reach the traditional retirement age of 65 in the same year than at any time in our history. So you have more and more people going on social security, going on Medicare and the systems are are broken right there. I mean, that's a good part of our budget deficits. Um, and just more and more money keeps get, being spent without cost controls. So, you know, I think it eventually get fixed in the long run, but I think we need a leader that brings people together, not divides people and makes people angry and tell other people they're stupid. <laughs> so, but I also want a leader that uh, looks like he's fit to do that. So going back to, I got way off track on this one. It's hard talking about PPP loans and everything else, but let's, let's talk about a bond update because PPP loans cause, you know, the, the Federal Reserve dropped rates to essentially zero. The PPP loans came out, caused a ton of inflation between those two items. Things got way more expensive. Now the Fed's raising rates to try to slow the economy back down. The higher they raise rates, the less people are going to borrow money to buy new homes, big ticket items, um, you know, cars and things like that. So it starts to slow the economy down. Less production out there. Makes sense, right? What this has done is created one of the best buying opportunities in bonds since 2006. Now, whether it's right now, I don't know. Rates could go up a little bit more. And when rates go up, bond prices go down a little bit. So it could get a little bit better. But let's just talk about bonds in general, because um, I've talked about being a little bit shorter term, lower duration in the portfolio. Duration means interest rate risk. So the longer term of bond you buy, the higher duration it has. And that means if interest rates go up, a longer term bond is going to fall in value quicker than a shorter term bond. And all that does is that that only matters if you're going to sell it before maturity. So this has been a really interesting time to actually go buy individual bonds again. Now it's really hard for the average investor, but for larger portfolios, especially when you're starting with 250,000 or more for bonds, buying individual bonds is really easy. There's a couple of different options. This is a good one for safe money in a retirement account where you can carve out money from your, your IRA, for example, and you know, you can 
you know, in, in your brokerage accounts, you can buy on the secondary market T-bills and T-notes. So if you go to treasurydirect.gov, you can buy this with your taxable money. You can create a treasurydirect.gov account. Make sure if you have a living trust, you set it up properly. Six-month T-bills, 5.3%. One year at around 5%. It's a pretty darn good. So that means that with using T-bills and then T-notes in a brokerage account like at Fidelity or Schwab, you can create... Now, it's very difficult for you, but we... Um, do it for people where it's a 24 month ladder. So if you invest money every 24 months or every month, you have one 24th of your account coming due, ready for you to spend. And you can get rates over 5% right now on that type of money. So great area for safe money. Now, if you own a bond from the U S government, you're only going to pay federal taxes on the income, not state taxes. So that's, that's good to know. Right. Little, so even though FDIC insured money markets are yielding around 5%, you're going to get a little bit more than that with treasuries and a little bit better tax situation. Okay. Now, corporate bonds. As you heard me talking earlier in the year, this has been the first time that we've wanted, that I've personally wanted to ladder individual bonds. And what that means is that when you ladder a bond portfolio, you take your cash, you invest it in bonds, but you're buying, you're spreading it out, let's say over what I was talking about before with corporates over a five year period. So, Every year you have one fifth of your money liquid again because you're buying a one year bond, a two year bond, a three year bond, a four year bond, and, a, and finally a mature, a bond that matures in five years. Well, recently with the move in rates, especially on longer term bonds, it's looking really attractive to go out 10 years on a laddered bond portfolio with high quality corporate bonds now. And that actually helps re reduce your reinvestment risk. So you're going a one to 10 year ladder. And a lot of those are still trading at a discount too, but you're talking about starting yields of over 6% now. So that creates some competition with the stock market, right? When you've got those yields, you know, much higher than they were a couple of years ago, when people start to put money to work, they're starting to look at these bonds going, oh, that's a little bit more attractive. That's, that's competition to the bond market. Tax-free bonds, a lot of those are trading at a premium, especially in California. And the sweet spot seems to be around four to 15 year bonds. Um, but they're trading at a premium. So you're starting yields around 4%, but they, you're, you're buying them at a premium, right? So that means you're buying the bond a little bit higher than what your maturity rate is. So it affects your overall total return down the road. Still pretty attractive to high income earners, tax free bonds. But I really like the idea of corporate bonds and a retirement account right now. Now, the other area of bonds is high yield bonds are they're also known as junk bonds. Like high yield bonds are pretty aggressive. They act a lot like a stock market. Let's sum up the bond situation a little bit because it's interesting for retired investors to be looking at a portfolio. And last year for retirees, for people that had balanced portfolio, it was the worst year since 2008. So even though the stock market was just a normal correction, the bond market was down quite a bit last year. So a balanced like 60-40, 60% stocks, 40% bond investor was seeing a similar return last year as they did in 2008. In 2008, bonds actually did okay, but stocks dropped a ton. And so the total return was about the same for a balanced investor. You can kind of look at the annual returns of VBIAX with Vanguard. Uh, fund and any of the ETFs or funds I talk about on the show, none of them are recommendations. I just use them as metrics to say, okay, what's these? What are these general markets ideas, asset classes doing? But a lot of people are finding 
it attractive to look at bonds, but they're seeing in their portfolio, a lot of their mutual funds down in value. And so it's a good, good time right now to do tax loss harvesting and adjust your bond portfolio for where we are today, which is kind of a situation where it meant from going, staying shorter term on interest rates to now starting to add a little bit of duration. That means add a little bit more longer term bonds into the portfolio. Now, when you own a mutual fund, and interest rates continue to go up, you see that net asset value fall. And sometimes when interest rates continue to rise, you have an individual investors pulling out of the fund and it causes the manager to sell bonds at a loss that they would have otherwise preferred to keep until maturity. So it is for larger portfolios. We're talking about a half a million dollars and above where you're putting, you know, 30 or percent or 20 to 25 to 30% or more of the portfolio in bonds it can really make a lot of sense to do individual bonds, especially individual bond ladders where you take, you know, let's say a million dollars to keep it simple and you buy a hundred thousand dollars worth of a bond that matures in a year, a hundred thousand dollars worth of a bond that matures in two years, all the way up to 10 years until you get everything invested. That way, you know, you have money invested along the entire curve, so maturity dates, multiple maturity dates. But also in retirement, you know that every year you have a certain number of bonds that are coming due at the face value of the bond, usually a hundred bucks. And that creates some liquidity for you that you can either spend the money, reinvest it in a longer term bond, or maybe the stock market fell and you can take that money and buy stocks on the cheap as you rebalance your portfolio. Um, so that's the overall general view of bonds right now. Pretty darn attractive for retirees. Still have to, uh, you know, worry about interest rate risk a little bit and reinvestment rate risk a lot, in my opinion, because I think rates will come down as we go through the soft patch. Um, but I don't know when that is. Could go up a couple more times before that happens. Inter- guessing rates and what the Federal Reserve can, is going to do is one of the hardest parts of the job for sure. Um, Now, the other area of the bond market that we started to touch on is high yield bonds or junk bonds. So these are bonds that are issued by companies with not the greatest of credit rating, right? Typically, you're going to have, you know, under a B credit rating. So you go, you know, although in, in, in investment grades, typically, you know, most of the time you're staying with um, bonds that are triple B or above are considered high grade. When you get down to single B or below, that's that's lower grade or, or junk bonds. So they're paying a lot higher in rate, but there's a lot of risk, right? Because the company doesn't have the greatest credit quality. You could actually go under and you could lose money. So there's greater risk in high yield or junk bonds. I think it, felt, it feels like about 20 years ago where mutual funds that invested in junk bonds were called junk bond funds, but then everybody changed the word to high yield. <laughs> and a lot of those high yield bond funds actually added stock. So you're all of a sudden in a fund that used to be called junk bond. Now it's high yield and hiding 10% of it in stock. So you got to be careful on what these things own. Um, if you look at an ETF and I don't like ETFs in this space at all, I'd, if you're going to do it, it'd be actively managed funds in my opinion. HYG is an ETF that I kind of keep an eye on when I'm wondering what's going on in the high yield bond market. It's down about 4% in the last month, but it's still up 2.46% for the year. So the overall bond market's down about 2.4. High yield bond, since the market has been positive for the year, is up. Um, the yield is around 8%. So investors 
end up that end up investing for super high dividends and super high income and can end up getting into stuff that either is credit risky or falls a lot in value when interest rates go up. So this is a very small part of a portfolio that you should have. Um, and I don't own high yield directly at all. I use it within one of the actively managed institutional funds that we use. But um, you got to remember that these things trade like stocks. So before investors start drooling over the the yield on these things, which is above 8%, if you look from February to March during COVID 2020, that ETF was down 20%. So you run through some significant drawdowns. And the reason why I point that out is because as people are looking at higher yielding bonds and bonds in general that are paying much more, much more than they've had since 2006, when you get into the high yield world, they act more like stocks and you're going to deal with a heck of a lot more volatility and potential drawdowns that look like stocks. So keep that in mind before you, you jump into it. This is also a really good time to start looking at what you're doing in terms of tax loss harvesting, right? What is tax loss harvesting? Well, if you have a taxable account, um, so that's when it's, you know, invested in a non-retirement account. It could be an individual account at Fidelity or Schwab or a trust account or a joint account with your spouse. This is the time of the year you start looking at your portfolio. Is there anything, do, do I have capital gains? Do I have capital gains from something else that I sold? Are any of the mutual funds likely to spin off capital gains from something that they sold? ETFs can do this as well. Um, so if you have anything that's at a loss, when it's an individual stock, it's kind of easy. You can sell that stock buy an ETF that owns a large portion of that position, but it's more diversified. Hold that for 31 days, then go back into the individual stock if you still want to buy it. Bank that loss. It's a good time to start doing that. We'll talk about more, more about that on the next show as well as gifting. Thanks for listening. Please tell a friend about the show. You can find the podcast on iTunes and everywhere else. Just go to chadburton.com. Have a great day. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.